This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. Coming up tonight, a story out of uh, New York where an artist has been questioned and detained based on his, well, artwork, which is called The Assassination of Hillary Clinton. We'll talk about that. Uh, Free speech? Not so much anymore. But first, something we've been talking uh, briefly about over the past several days and actually never had a chance to get to. It's kind of an interesting story from The Telegraph in the UK. It's about life after Fidel Castro. Now, I think I said the other day that Fidel Castro was dead. He's not dead yet, is he? No, he just stepped down. He was in poor health, and he handed off power to his brother. So, my mistake. But uh, essentially, he's dead to the the Cuban people at this point, because he's no longer lording over them. And his brother, Raul, has been a little bit more permissive. Not that much, but a little bit more. And it's interesting to see how much of a difference just a little bit of freedom can actually make in people's lives. So according to The Telegraph, it's been a 100 days now, and this was written a few days ago, since Fidel Castro relinquished power and his brother Raul took over as president of Cuba. At the time, few felt that this marked a significant political change in the future of the uh, the Caribbean nation. After all, he'd vowed to rule the country in line with Fidel's communist principles. But Commander-in-Chief Raul, now 76, has surprised many of his people with an introduction of economic reforms that promised to boost agricultural output and bring an end to complaints over food shortages. He's also eased restrictions on the purchase of luxury electrical goods, previously unobtainable computers, mobile phones, microwave ovens, and DVD players. All of these things that Americans take for granted because at any moment we want them, we can always go down to Target or Walmart or something like that, or go to Amazon.freetalklive.com and get all of these things at a moment's notice with overnight shipping. But for the people in Cuba... A DVD player, something special that normally you would have had to have gotten through the black market, for instance. Uh, Yeah, I don't think, I mean, Cuba was really unique among communist countries because it seems like they actually really attempted to actually pursue communism as it was put out as a doctrine. Mm. And it didn't, I mean, it obviously hasn't worked out. Abject poverty resulted. Right, it didn't work out well for the people, whereas China, which is, they still call themselves communists, but you can own cell phones, you can own cars. Sure. You can own real estate now, apparently. Really? yeah, with some restrictions, but basically we've got restrictions here too. Basically, every other country went towards towards a market, whether it was fully embracing a free market or not. They they figured out pretty quickly that they couldn't actually function as a communist socialist society and still feed people and keep them alive. Yeah, it's actually it's been really interesting watching the you know the progress of China. And not that I've been watching too closely, but just from afar, noticing how less restrictive things have gotten over there as far as the marketplace uh, business is concerned. Certainly, there's still plenty of social restrictions, and the Internet connections are regulated there. So there's a lot of problems in China, no doubt about it, but it's nothing like it was a few decades ago. No, I mean, they've moved towards freedom gradually, and yeah, they still have problems, but in many ways, their marketplace has fewer restrictions on it than ours does now. People complain that... There aren't enough consumer protections and government regulation mm-hmm. of the Chinese marketplace. So the complaint from Americans is that... They need more government. Right, that the Chinese are too laissez-faire with their industry anyway. 
So back to the story here from the Telegraph. Cubans are now even allowed to visit hotels that were once reserved for foreigners. This was a deeply unpopular restriction that created an apartheid between resentful locals and tourists who were hogging the island's best beaches. Meanwhile, rumors are busily circulating that restrictions on foreign travel could soon be lifted. Few Cubans can, in reality, um, excuse me. Few Cubans can, in reality, afford to purchase such goods or eat in swanky hotel restaurants where a main course costs the equivalent of the average worker's salary of twelve pounds per month. Equally, other critics ask, what is the point of being allowed to own computers if internet access is still restricted? Well, duh. Don't you remember what things were, were like before the internet? I mean, I understand that it's nice to say that, well, they should have everything, and I agree, they should have access to everything, but having a computer is certainly better than scrawling things on pieces of paper or trying to use some antiquated old typewriter. Computers are nice. They make they facilitate uh, things much better than not having computers. I can't imagine people not having the freedom to access the Internet in any way in the year 2008. I mean, sure, it's it, pretty it, outrageous. What it has done for the for the economies of the rest of the world and just for the way that people interact, it, it kind of blows one's mind to think of a country that still doesn't <laughs> allow people to, to get on the Internet. Now, yeah. I'm sure... Some Even China people, has the internet. Yeah. Now, I'm sure some people found access. I know there was already illegal satellite television in Cuba. That's true. So I'm sure there were some ways around it where you could get satellite access. If you if know you who to, to talk to, right? Yeah, but, if you've got enough money. But you were looking at jail time to, to log on. <laughs> Raul's practical gestures have created a significant amount of goodwill and brought in breathing space as he attempts to grapple with a struggling economy damaged by a decades long U.S. trade embargo and the inefficiencies of a highly centralized state-run system. I'm glad they actually added that in there. I almost expected them to just blame it on the United States not trading with Cuba. Uh, but yeah, that those are probably the two main problems, is uh, communist government and they can't trade with the United States, because the United States government has made that illegal. So all of us people living in the so-called land of the free, if you want to buy a Cuban cigar, it's a black market or nothing. Yeah, well, I mean, they did open up, they had fairly open trade with Europe and many other countries. So the, one of the main problems was even if the embargo, well, it's still in effect. So even if the embargo is dropped tomorrow, the Cuban government so far, at least under Fidel, it was very restrictive about allowing any foreign investment. Mm -hmm. So even if American companies had been allowed to invest in Cuba, that probably wouldn't have opened their market up to the same reforms we saw in China because Fidel really tried to to keep things communist, Marxist, and state-run, state state-owned, and keep the marketplace out of Cuba as much as possible. In fact, speaking of the marketplace, uh, agriculture is a key to economic reform, according to this story. Last year, Cuba spent more than $1.5 billion on food imports, and farmers have now been given more scope to decide how to use their land, which crops to plant, and which supplies to buy. <laughs> So now all of a sudden they can actually be, re you know, somewhat real farmers. I mean, it says more scope, so there's probably just a range of options. But still, can you imagine this? Like, if you're a farmer in Cuba, they assign you to grow something. Until now, where you can actually make some choices. Well, they assign you to grow something, and they assign you what you can use to grow it. So, mm. if, you know, you can't even choose what fertilizer to use on your 
tomatoes or whatever you're told to grow. It's apparently here they are actually apparently being paid more by the government for certain products. So that's yeah. if the attempts at agricultural liberalization prove successful, then small business, self-employment, and cooperatives in the cities could follow. Already in the commercial arena, changes are afoot. Workers will soon be able to earn bonuses based on productivity, and there will be no upper limit on salaries. No upper limit? That's what it says here. However, this has worried some professionals. Doctors who, under the uh, the Cuban communist system, earn the same amount as factory workers complain that they cannot be judged on productivity alone and will miss out on the new incentives. Earlier this month, uh, President George Bush dismissed the reforms as cosmetic. Since Raul took over there, there has been little sign of thawing of relations between Cuba and its nearest neighbor. You know, I, I have to disagree with uh, old Georgie boy on that one. I think those reforms are pretty significant given the position that Cuba is coming from. Well, to me, thinking about the quote from the doctors, the productivity quote sounds like it, there you don't really have a market deciding that a doctor's services are more valuable than a factory worker's. Mm-hmm. So a productive factory worker in any free market could probably earn more than an unproductive factory worker. Right. But it sounds like a productive factory worker in Cuba... Could work, earn more than a doctor. Could earn more than an <laughs> average doctor, which isn't really a free market. There's still a lot of market... Sure. A, lot, a long ways to go before they get the distortions out of their economy. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. But uh, nonetheless, I don't think it's it's fair to just poo-poo this. I think oh, this is a pretty oh no, big it deal. sounds like they are at least taking the first baby steps. And and he's only been in power for a few months. Yeah, 100 days at this point, so who knows what's coming next. 800-259-9231. Uh, they should be applauded for at least moving along in the right direction. Certainly no one expected them to jump into laissez-faire. More on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Nick. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are free, so enjoy those on us. And they include the Shrine of Female Listeners. Dozens of ladies have sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Just go to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what it's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. He is the enemy of the state. He's the agent of the sovereign individual. He's Tad Galahad, Freedom Engineer. The Anarcho-Capitalist Adventure Series continues at freedom-engineering.com. That's freedom-engineering.com. As we jump into your phone calls about whatever you want, it is Stephen in Colorado. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Nick. Hello. Hey, Stephen, what's on your mind tonight? Well, you know, I listen on podcasts the day after the show, and there was two days last week. I mean, the show is always good. Uh, but there was two days last week, I believe it was Saturday and Friday, where Ian, you were, you were on fire. I mean, you were like, really? you were like uh, a Baptist preacher or something, man, spreading the word. Okay, I don't really remember, but okay, I'll take your word for it. Well, at one point you said, "Who do these people think they are?" I mean, it was just—I got to tell you—it's just there's really. I've noticed in the last year or so, there's really been a dramatic improvement in the way you, uh, in the way you talk and, and the, the way you evangelize. Thanks. Um, what else did you and, have to say? And the other thing is, I just—I'm glad you brought that Cuba thing up because if you weren't—if you didn't get to it tonight, I was going to bring it up. And I love it when we talk about capitalism early on. 
because it always leads to some good uh, callers later on who just don't quite get it, and they try to debate with you and all that stuff, and you get to talk about the free market. Maybe so. Um, probably more likely to occur on a Saturday night when we have more live radio affiliates, but yes, that could be the case. Yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, something occurred to me today. I was just driving around thinking about uh, the free market and education and how dramatically improved education might be. And it you know this Mike Gravel character who ran, uh, who tried to get the Libertarian Party nomination. Yes, he was saying that the pure libertarians, uh, and by which he actually was talking about Wayne Allen Root, which you and I both know he's more like no. a car salesman. Yeah, that guy's a neocon, um, as I understand it. Yeah, well, uh, he, Gravel was saying, oh, you know, you pure libertarians, uh, you basically, you know, we want freedom too, but what you want is. Uh, an, an uneducated, uh, sick America. In other words, you know, no, no uh, public school and no socialized medicine because he endorses socialized medicine. Um, and I, I thought to myself, you know, it just occurred to me that how many churches are there in the United States? A hundred thousand, five hundred thousand. There's a damn lot of churches in America. There's no doubt about them. it. If, if from the beginning of time or the beginning of the country or whatever, the government had been responsible for building churches. People would you would have people today who would think that if it wasn't for the government we would have no churches. Yep, that's and, exactly uh, right. I think Murray Rothbard uses the example of shoes whenever he he says that. But I, I think that the uh, churches have a uh, they they have a you know if you observe churches and how they operate, uh, that is a great uh, analogy for how the uh, private school system would work in the absence of uh, government public it's, it's only one option, though. It's only one possibility. There are so many uh, possibilities for market-based education. They could include Internet courses. They could include television courses. They could include little, tiny little neighborhood schools, you know, where, uh, where a stay-at-home mom takes care of a street's worth of children in her home. Uh, they could include mm-hmm. the big, kind of large consumer schools that we see today out there uh, and anything in between and probably things that we can't even dream up right now because the marketplace hasn't really had the ability uh, the option to expand and innovate in those ways that's right and you know we homeschool uh, my daughter she's 12 years old and I was talking to some other homeschool parents and I thought well wouldn't it be really great if we could get a, uh, a tax write-off, and I was thinking maybe a citizen's initiative or something, where we, we get dollar-for-dollar uh, dollar tax refunds for every dollar we put into our kids' education, be it private or homeschool or whatever, whatever or even if you pay for somebody else's you know, that's a nice idea, but it's still just begging the system for a break. That's what that is. It's going it is to the politicians the and, and begging them. And I think that really what we need to see happen is a different kind of a shift in thinking. Mm-hmm. I think what, we sh- uh, what I'd like to see at least is homeschoolers. There are enough of them to do this just if homeschoolers did it. If homeschoolers just decided, you know, screw all this begging for lower restrictions and begging for a tax break or whatever – Instead of that, let's stand up and get off our knees and stand up and tell the governments in our areas, tell the people that are demanding money from us, no, we homeschool our kids, we aren't sending you a dime to cover these government right. schools, and we're going to keep that money, thank you very much. If the homeschoolers, if, if half of her, if 25% or even 10% of the homeschoolers out there did something like that, I think be, that, that would be pretty significant. And I think what you might see is if some people did it, then other people would be empowered by that, and they would also step up to do it mm-hmm. well and, and you're exactly right i mean here here i totally agree with you 
but there's another element that I didn't consider, and these homeschool parents pointed it out. If we go begging, you know, to use your word, and you're correct in saying that, yeah. if we go begging the government, hey, please give us a dollar-for-dollar dollar refund for all this money we're spending on private education, uh, then the state is then in the position to determine what is private education what is a homeschooled education sure yeah then you have to uh that's a great point because then you'd have to apply and they'd have to really take a close look at your curriculum to ensure that that you are approved and so you're right that just puts even more control in their hands whereas Mm -hmm. if you just hold the dollars back in the first place then you get to keep them and what are they going to do exactly i mean if it becomes a movement if it becomes something that people are doing i understand that the the way governments typically deal with property property tax uh, uh, protesters is usually it's the the lone guy, the nut job living out in the middle of the forest who hasn't right. paid property taxes in 10 years. The government comes in, pulls him out of his house, it probably gets some news coverage and people look at him and go, "Wow, what a nut job." But Right, like what Ted if it's <laughs> well, go okay, but what if it's people like you and I that are upstanding mm-hmm. members of the community that we're visible that we have you know in your case you've got kids I don't but I'm also willing to participate in something like this and that is withholding money from the, the government. What if uh, upstanding people and a, a decent amount of them are doing this publicly and they're talking about why they're doing it? Are they really going to go in there and throw a family with children out of their house? Are they going to come to you, uh, Stephen? Are they going to say, Stephen, we've sold your house at a tax sale. You no longer own it. Now we're going to throw you out of your house. Are they going to really do that? Because then right. what do you what, because then what's the logical consequence of that? You throw somebody out on their ass from their home that they you know that they own or whatever, preferably it'd be homeowners that uh, that would do this. And uh, you throw them out, and then what? Well, then, what are they going to do? Go on welfare if they can't afford somewhere else to live? You've just thrown them out of their home. So you're going to take them out of the uh, their house and then m- impoverish them so they can sign up for your welfare program? I mean, if, if a bunch of homeschoolers refuse to pay the government its extortion money, if, it refu- if they refuse to pay uh, property taxes or maybe even just a percentage, 50% up here in Keene, 60%, I think, goes to the, the government wow. schools. So, yeah. I mean, what would they do? Seriously, what do you think? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. And I kind of, I don't know if it really matters or not, but I just wonder what the public outcry would be, if any. I mean, you know how people are who you've discussed it before in the past. Oh, well, they're not paying their fair share. You know, these You're always going to get some of that. You're always going right. to get some of that. You, you can't be afraid of that viewpoint because it's inevitable it will be out there. But what about all those people that have been sitting out there grumbling about paying property taxes every year and just waiting for something to snap, something to break? This could be that moment. And thank you for the call. More coming up. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. Bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Nick. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And those features include the bulletin board system. We've got over 350,000 posts. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. It's all for free over at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs. 
www.freetalklive.com. And get your limited supply Porkfest beer mug and drink responsibly with Jason Osborne from SACL CAI. Featuring select microbrews from New Hampshire, margaritas, guest celebrity bartenders, prize drawings, and more. If you're going to be attending Porkfest, the SACL CAI Fun Tent is where you're going to want to be. Uh, it's just going to be a good time. Now, the uh, the beer mug, as I understand it, probably will cost you a little bit because there's a very limited supply of them. But from what I understand, the beer that actually goes into the mug won't cost you anything. You even, can't be free, yeah. beat free beer, really. Right. Even um, if you don't have the mug, you can still get free beer at the Seiko CAI Fun Tent at Porkfest. You just can't beat that. It sounds like it'll be a very fun fun tent. Free barbecue, I think, as I understand it as well. That's so, my understanding. Yeah. So free meat and free beer. And good company as well. Uh, so go to porkfest.com. Learn more about that. It's not too late to get involved. P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com as uh, just real quick before we continue the calls we were talking a moment ago with uh, Stephen in Colorado Stephen is a homeschooler uh, he is, is a parent who homeschools and I had suggested that instead of begging the government for a tax refund for homeschooling instead of continuing to uh, be on one's knees and playing a role as you know part of the system trying to change the system from its inside let's just stop paying them I mean if enough people stopped or stopped paying a portion of it of property taxes, it would be a significant shift in the way things uh, in the way things happen in the world as far as what government expects it can get out of people, uh, because right now it expects total obedience. But if people stop obeying, then what happens next? Well, I think the key word there is if, because I think a lot of people would do this if they felt that other people would be along with them. Right. No one wants to be the lone. Not that yeah. gets their house taken away for not paying taxes, sure. or they get thrown in the clink, or they run into problems with child protective services. That's why I'm thinking about being the first nut to do it. That's why uh, the more I think about it, the more I like the idea of paying like 50% of the pro- of my property tax bill, which just came today, by the way. City of Keene is demanding $2,651 for me. That's a lot. That's for half the year. That that sounds about right. So it'll be about five thousand bucks when uh, when all is said and done. So I'm thinking about is sending fifty uh, percent in and publishing something publicly, talking about what I'm doing and why. So it won't just be some crazy old coot in the you know off in the forest somewhere who just stops paying property taxes and then ten years later pays the you know the government comes and steals his house from him. It'll be right up front. Hey, I'm not paying. Here's why. Number one, I don't like government schools. I don't want to pay for government schools and what and what goes on there. I'm not against education. In fact, to prove that, I'll take half of what I'm saving here, which is about 2,500 bucks. That's what I'd be saving each year by not, by paying 50% of my property taxes. I'll take about half of that amount, which is about 100 or 110 dollars a month, off of the amount that my tenants pay, because I own a duplex here in Keene. I'll take that off of the amount that my tenants pay in rent every single month. And so it's not like I'm just grabbing all the cash for myself. They're paying the property taxes anyway, so it makes sense to give them a break on the rent, right? Yeah, and that's it, it does, and that's a unique approach. I don't know any tax resistors who've taken their money, and in this case, it's property tax, so it makes sense to give it to the tenants. Right. Their rent is covering your expenses anyway, so... And they've got a little girl who's in school right now, and I know that, um, I think they've got, they they have some interest in Montessori. When I was over there the other day, I saw some um, information about Montessori schools, and so I'm going to tell them that it's my intention that they... 
take this 1200 bucks a year or whatever and put it towards their daughter's education. Obviously, I'm not going to re- – I can't require anything like that, uh, nor, nor would I. It's, it's their decision. I mean, certainly if something traumatic happens and they need the money for something else, then they should use it for something else. But otherwise, I would hope that they would take that money and, and put it towards uh, their daughter's education just to kind of make it a, a pretty little picture for the public to consume to say, huh, maybe this could work a different way. And yes, of course people are going to say, well, that's not fair. You need to pay your fair share. We all need to have community education education and that's what makes america great and blah 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 you know the normal crap that you'd hear from the people that that unquestioning uh, unquestioningly support the government education structure but i wonder if it would be enough if i was the the one that started it would would that be enough to to uh spur someone else out there to do this as well not not necessarily even in Keene, new hampshire but maybe somewhere in the state of new hampshire or somewhere close by preferably but well, Do you think someone else would step up? I think if the conditions were right, they would. I mean, I know there was talk years ago in um, a town, it's about 40 miles away from here, Lebanon, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Um, back, I think it was right around the end of the 90s, there was a big to-do about having a property tax revolt where a significant number of people that were, uh, they were in the minority, obviously, because they yeah. couldn't control the budget, but it was about 45% of the town really strongly disapproved of what the the majority had voted through as far as budget increases. And how many people disapprove of the government schools? A great number, yeah. I'm sure. But they can't throw 50% of the town out of their of homes. Of course not. They can't even throw 10% of the town out of their homes. Exactly. So it doesn't even take you it doesn't take a majority and it doesn't take that big of a minority to to make change. But, and you know what that's the point I've been making recently on this show is that we're at a point in uh, in New Hampshire here with the Free State Project with 20,000 activists moving here. We got a few hundred of them here so far. We're at an, I think an amazing turning point already with even just a handful of activists out there doing things. It's making a huge difference and it really won't take that many more to really start to change things drastically. I yeah. I think it's exciting. Yeah, I do too. And I mean, we have a long way to go to get to 20,000 people actually being in the state. But in a way, that makes me feel good because so much has been done with less than a thousand people. Well, and then there's the uh, then there's the factor of people like you, Nick, who were here before the Free State Project, New Hampshire natives who are being reactivated by all of the other activism they're seeing around. And instead of feeling like they're losing this, they're losing their freedom bit by bit to the, you know, the mass holes that are migrating up here from Massachusetts. Uh, instead of feeling that way, they feel like they've got reinforcements coming in and it gives them, a, it, you know, sort of a... An injection, I guess, of, uh, of liberty that they needed to to get back out there and, and make a stand for freedom again. Yeah, yeah. I, I do want to point out, though, that a good number of the people that come up from Massachusetts and New York and Connecticut and other places moved here because they were sick of the high taxes in the state where they were. And sometimes you run into, well, they were sick of the taxes, but they come up here and they expect all of the services that they got from services, so-called, from the yeah. government and none of the taxes. So you run into that sometimes, but there are small government people oh, I who are already that. moving up. I wouldn't call those people mass holes. Yeah. Well, I think it depends on what they want and what they're what they're doing. I I wouldn't judge them based on where they were from, but what the, their goals were. The term usually implies just anyone in Massachusetts, <laughs> but All right, we continue here. Uh, Tom in New Hampshire as someone who is here in the state, Tom, how do you feel about the uh, property tax revolt idea? Uh, yeah, now I just wanted to point out that today is the first day to file for uh, 
a public office. The filing period started today. Yeah, that's that's nice. But I mean, you can talk yeah. about that if you want. But I'm just curious as to how you feel about the property tax revolt. Before we go on with uh, that, uh, I'm against property taxes. But are you on the internet? Like like you people are, have the uh, your computer right in front of you? Yes, sir. Uh, okay, check it. Go to the Secretary of State's website. Okay? Why? Because I want to show you something. I don't know how to get there, and I know it's a really long address, so I don't want you to give no, it out no, over the air. What is it you want to show us? Just to, just explain. Oh, at the Secretary of State's w- website there, you, you go to the Republican Party daily filings, and there's a whole bunch of people who are running on the Republican ticket for various offices. Okay. Uh, like, can you see, find that, uh, like, who is running for, like, United States Senator, just for example, on the Republican ticket? Uh, no, I, you know, we're, you have to understand, there are radio people listening, and they don't necessarily have computers in front of them, Tom. So if you have well, a I'm point you want to make, I'm going to put you on hold, and you're going to have to explain this so everybody can understand that's listening. We're going to try that with Tom here in moments. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. I'm not sure where all this is going. Yeah, people are running for office. That's what happens every couple of years. What's the relevance? More coming up. This is your show. You take control and bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Nick. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are free. And you can also join Nick on his website at freemindstv.com. From what I understand, you guys are actually getting close to being done with the hiatus, which didn't last that long, and bringing the show back on a once-a-week basis. Yep, the TV side will be coming back weekly, it sounds like, pretty soon. When, after Porkfest or something um, like that? We haven't determined that yet. It may be after Porkfest. And we're still doing the audio-only podcast, uh, calling it Free Minds Radio, but you can go to freemindstv.com, and um, it's once a week, Sundays noon to one eastern time so we're Excellent. doing that too you definitely want to check that out extra pro liberty audio and video for you to consume at freemindstv.com 800-259-9231 uh don't forget to uh to if uh, if you like free talk live you can help us out by becoming an amplifier you can go to amp.freetalklive.com join the program for as little as three bucks a month and help free talk live get on more radio stations across the country as well as bring more internet listeners on board to the show and thereby exposing new people to the message of freedom and liberty. So go to amp.freetalklive.com, learn about the perks you get access to, like the amp-only call-in lines, which are toll-free, as well as the amp-only chat room forum, and more. The details at amp.freetalklive.com. We go to Tom in New Hampshire. Now, Tom, you were trying to beat around the bush uh, a few moments ago. I don't know why you were being so dramatic about it, uh, but I guess you wanted to point out to us that you apparently are running for New Hampshire State Senate. No, I'm running for United States Senator. Oh, U.S. Senator. My my apologies. Yeah, I'm running for United States Senator, and I'm the only one running so far. So hey, wow, how's that? Yeah. But so, now you uh, said that the, uh, the the filing window opened a few days ago, though. When does it today. close? Today. Oh, it's it today. Clo- today and uh, wait, it closes today? No, today's the first day. Oh, okay. Well, then it's no big deal. I mean, well, does, does that mean you're going to be at the top of the ballot, though? I don't think so, but. Oh. Uh, the last day of it is Friday the 13th, which is also Porkfest Friday. Uh-huh. And so people who are coming to, to New Hampshire, I mean, people who are already in New Hampshire, of course, you have to already live in New Hampshire, you have to be a two-year resident to run for New Hampshire House of Representatives, which is what I held 
uh, in 2001, <laughs> briefly. But uh, and you have to be a seven-year resident to run. Yes, for and I'd like to point senator. out that you resigned your office because you were like threatening violence against the police or something like that, right? Uh, no, I wasn't threatening violence against the police. But uh, I found out that uh, nobody was going to vote for anything that I uh, proposed, and so it was at that point a waste of time to continue uh, trying to talk to these idiots. And you uh, think they're going to vote for what you propose at the the national level? I I, I honestly don't care at this point <laughs> because uh, you know I, I've got, you're just doing I'm it for the health care package, huh? Uh, against it, yeah. Anyway. Uh, Kind of like raising money for muscular dystrophy when you're actually raising money to defeat muscular dystrophy, which is that they're doing. But so anyway. what is this? What's the process here, Tom? I don't. I, I can't say I'm very familiar with the political process here in New Hampshire. Do you have a primary that you'd have to go to? I mean, there's a filing window. People can file, and yeah. then is there a, is there a, is like a primary where voters go and voters at a private primary? It's uh, any Republican registered voter goes on uh, September 9th. That's the Republican primary, and that's the Democratic primary. And uh, if you're undeclared, then you declare a party at the polls on the primary. Right. Uh, there's, see, like I was saying, though, you've got to be a resident seven years for the state Senate, but United States Senate, you, if you just moved to New Hampshire yesterday, then you can <laughs> file for that. Uh, you go up to Concord. Good. You fill out, uh, there's one form. Good for you, there's man. One form. Uh, pluck down a hundred dollars. Hundred bucks. Okay. Uh, yeah. For so, uh, what do you think your chances States. are? I mean, realistically, you think you're gonna get a get a crack at this? How many candidates do they normally have in the primary? Uh, well, they, they have like two or three uh, in the primary running against each other. The really? Is that is, all? Oh, that's pretty uh, good. Then. Yeah. Good odds. John Sununu. Johnson Uno is the United States Senator. You will be going uh, up against an incumbent, so that'll be tough because normally the incumbents get like ninety plus percentage uh, re-election, so it's going to be yeah. kind of tough. But, you're you're uh, not expecting well, an easy road, are you? Oh no, but okay. uh, it's well, actually, it's up to the voters. See, uh, the the candidate when we say the candidate wins or the candidate defeats the opponent, well, okay, it's actually the actions of the voters. And we make the way you, people say it, it makes it sound like these are two chess players across the table from each other having some control over the outcome by what moves they're going to make. But the moves that they make uh, uh, don't have any influence on the outcome. It's the voters, whether the voters choose to uh, elect somebody yeah. who supports liberty. Well, and hey, control, do us a favor, Tom. Keep us in the loop on your campaign and let us know how it goes. What do you think your major issues are going to be? Like, usually a political campaign, you've got two, three at the most major yeah. core campaign issues. What do you think the Tom in New Hampshire campaign issues will be? Oh, before we before I get to that, I just want to mention that I intend to be at Pork Fest. Uh, Such a shameless, self-promoting politician, Tom. But You're really anyway, playing the role well. My, my campaign theme is Liberty and justice for all. Okay. Well, liberty is the freedom to do whatever does not violate anybody else's rights, and justice is whoever does violate somebody's rights has to pay the price. So are you going to be advocating killing any cops on the campaign trail? Uh, I never advocate killing cops, as you know. What now? How would you explain what you do? Because it sure as hell sounds like it skirts that issue. Which, by the way, I'd like uh, to point I... out, Free Talk Live does not endorse... That viewpoint, we want a nonviolent evolution, not a violent revolution. Go ahead, sir. Uh, I would I would advocate that the stop that the cops stop violating people's rights, and I put the, of course the blame 
when it does happen on the cops if they provoked it. I right? see. I was, so you're not saying go out and bump off the cops. You're just saying that, hey, it's no big thing when the cops actually, you know, croak as a result of being shot for, and you know, interfering in a legitimate drug deal or something like that. It's, it's their own fault. Just yeah, like that's true. They I did put themselves there. I have to car. agree with that particular viewpoint, Tom. You know what? Maybe you'll get my vote, man. I, uh, I appreciate you calling in tonight. Thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. He'd be better than Sununu. Uh, yeah, well... <laughs> He, He's um, probably better than Bob Barr. He apparently got elected to state representative <laughs> in the state of New Hampshire advocating a similar viewpoint, and um, I guess that shows that anybody can do it at the very <laughs> yeah. least. So, And that's nothing against Tom yes. necessarily. That's but. a good point. To, to those of you who are interested in the political realm, and I'm not so much interested in that, but to those of you who are, I know that, that you listen, uh, this is the place where you really do have a crack at it uh, because the representatives' districts here are very, very small. You're talking about only a few thousand people per, uh, per district. A few thousand people, not even that many voters. Yeah. And so it doesn't cost a lot of money to run political campaigns up here, which is why we are expecting to see a number of free staters maybe throw their hats into the ring. Uh, and it'll be interesting and to see how they fare this maybe year. Maybe other, I mean, Tom is a New Hampshire native from the way I understand As it. As I understand and, it, it's certainly um, been here a while. And some other, I'm sure other New Hampshire natives are planning to run. So it looks like their people will have a choice for who they want their senator to be if they want to vote in the in the primary. So we'll find out. We'll keep an eye on it here, and we'll talk to you about what you want. We go to Billy in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live, Billy. Oh, Billy is gone. I I think sounds like he's gone. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Quick update for you on a story we covered a little while back. Just an, another outrageous mass roundup kind of story. Uh, it's not the FLDS this time. This time it's the so-called illegal immigrants. The stories from the New York Times where in temporary courtrooms at a fairgrounds, that's right, they set up court temporarily at the fairgrounds. Uh, 260 illegal immigrants were sentenced to five months in prison for working at a meatpacking plant with false documents. So instead of just kicking them out of the country... They're now enslaving them even more than they were enslaved before, because when when immigrants come in here so-called illegally, they have to use the black market channels in order to get it done. And if they if they manage to get set up, set up with a job, then in many cases, those uh, those business owners, they understand that they basically have control over the immigrant, because if the immigrant decides he doesn't want to work for you anymore or doesn't like the working conditions, then the business owner could just snitch him out to the INS, and or to ICE, I guess is what it's called now. So they were already working under some pretty awful conditions as a result of not being able to leave their jobs, but now they're going to be working for free in some government labor camp. Either that or they'll just be sitting around in prison cells, taking up room and costing taxpayers money. So instead of being in the economy, creating uh, new products and services for people to consume, and to purchase. Now they're out of the economy, and everybody who is still in the economy that's paying taxes is going to have the luxury of keeping these 260 so-called illegal immigrants in prison for up to five months. Well, imagine if we locked up every immigrant who didn't have government paperwork. I mean, what are the estimates now? Up to 30, is it 30 million at the high end? Yeah, up there somewhere, sure. So... That's about 10% of the population in the U.S. That's a lot of damn money. I mean, yeah, if we were to put them and everyone in jail, then 
the rest of us would have to work in the prison system. Yeah, it's, it's good news for the prison system, but not so much for uh, for the rest of the economy. The productive here. part of the economy. Right. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And the idea that people are being rounded up in mass and sentenced at temporary courts at fairgrounds is pretty scary stuff, isn't it? Don't you think? This is Free Talk Live. Hour 2 is coming up. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. Sakel CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are for free, so enjoy those on us at freetalklive.com. As we launch into another hour of fun and excitement, here we go to your phone calls. Conrad in Minnesota, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Conrad. Conrad, go on. Hello? Mark isn't here tonight, huh? Mark is out for the rest of the week. He is apparently, he started out going down to Florida where he apparently, I guess, appeared in front of some sort of parole board, uh, the Board of Governors or something like that, and he essentially begged to be pardoned. Uh, is that the word, pardoned? Yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a pardon af- after the fact. Right. Uh, for, oh, what, what for? I, I, just, I just tuned on, so what, what, what for? Well, he was in jail for nine years on a murder charge. And so he's trying to get his so-called rights back by asking for them from the uh, the government people. So that's one of the things he did when he went down there. Uh, and then I guess he's partying out in Vegas right now with Jason Osborne from SACL CAI. So Mark is on a uh, much-deserved vacation this week. Well, that's good for him. Um, then I guess I, I can play defense for him. I wanted You guys were talking about that cult he was supposedly in a while back. Yes, uh, Landmark. Yes, is he still a part of that anymore? I want to know. He, he doesn't go very often. Uh, if he does, he doesn't tell me about it. <laughs> so okay, because the whole time I was listening to that when I was in Japan, and uh, I just wanted to let you guys know, like a cult is a religion. It ha- it has to be have religious components. And, Depends you know, on what definitions you look at, really. I mean, you could you could actually accurately label the Free State Project as a cult if you wanted to. I mean, depending on again the definitions that you use. There certainly is a definition of cult that has to do with religion, but there are several other definitions as well. Okay. Well, I mean, that was just it, and I wanted to know more about it, but if, if Mark is here, I just tuned in. So I, know I know Mark, Mark still so. defends the, the Landmark program, and he didn't enjoy it being labeled a cult. I, I don't I, doubt I, that you can get some benefit from the Landmark classes. I don't doubt that. I'm not even that familiar with what it is. I know it's self-help along with a lot of... Sort of myth. Not, I don't know if mysticism is the right word, but there is a documentary um, out there about it done by a French uh, television station that really dug in and managed to get undercover cameras in one of the uh, in one of the expos, and it's pretty revealing and pretty crazy. Some of the things that they that they have their uh, their people do that. Like people that get really, really into it, they have this sort of volunteer program that they can join, and this is a you know it's a for-profit business, this landmark uh, deal. But they have this volunteer program where you come in and you make phone calls for them and uh, clean the bathrooms for but them. I mean, the, the the Ron Paul organization is a for-profit you know corporate corporation technically, and I went in and did volunteer phone calling in Iowa for them. Yeah, so yeah, I, mean, I understand that. I uh, I just. Yeah. 
I, I don't know if Ron Paul's campaign is for profit. I don't think a campaign can necessarily be for profit. I think you uh, you spend the money and I don't know. That's a good question. Is it for profit or is it considered not for profit? A campaign. I don't think he can. Uh, he can't pocket any of the money, and I know in federal races, the candidate can't personally have access to the funds. So it's not oh. like he's pocketing the cash from the campaign. It's just that the, uh, the this particular organization does have, as I understand it, uh, and according to some so-called experts, does have some elements uh, that are common to brainwashing. And they have lightened up over the years. There's no doubt about that. People that are going to defend Landmark are going to say that it's not like it used to be. And, you know, that is true. That much is the case. It's not like it used to be. It much it used to be much more extreme than it currently is. But there's a lot of self-help available out there. And most of the self-help books or authors, they don't, they don't uh, ask you to come and clean their bathrooms for them. So that's all I'm well, saying, that there's, there's just better choices out there that are much more affordable than the, than the landmark course, if that's what you're looking for is, is inspiration, for instance. Okay. Any other thoughts? Well, well, um, yeah, before I go, I want to hear you guys talk about um, environmental issues. I'm really, I don't know where I need to stand on that. Um, right now, I think maybe it should be a judicial issue, but... That's about all I have. You're talking about like pollution, for instance? Yep. So to switch gears here, yeah. I'm okay. talking about um, pollution and global warming and right. all that. Well, in, you have, in, you my, like the... in my book, it should be a, a, civil, a civil law judicial issue where if somebody has a claim that pollution has damaged their property, then you could go to court and enforce that claim. And if you can actually show that, you know, that, actions of, an, of person A affected the property of person B. When you get into using the courts as a solution for climate change, number one, it's hard to even be 100% sure of what is totally behind climate change and who exactly, I mean, everybody is in the U.S. pretty much contributes to climate change, and it could be argued that we all suffer from it. So it would be hard to take any one company to court and say that they had a significant role in changing the climate in a way that caused damage to you or your property. I think that would be, when you get out to that realm, you're getting beyond the realm of anything you can prove as one person harming another. I, but I think for cases where, say, a company is dumping um, something hazardous like PCBs into a river, which has been done before, then anybody's property who was damaged or anybody who got sick would have a claim against them. Right, and so companies wouldn't want to do things like that because they would understand that if they got caught, they would become liable and they would have to pay restitution and they would have to fix the problem and that would mean they'd have to raise their, their prices in order to compensate for all of that loss, most likely, and therefore, if they had to raise their prices, they'd be less competitive and that would put them right out of business, uh, essentially. So they'd be much more careful. And in addition, one of the other factors is all of the government land that's out there. Government manages, especially west of the Mississippi, a tremendous Tremendous amount of uh, property. And what you'll see happen is that government land managers, they aren't owners. So they don't really care like an owner cares. So what you see um, going on is the government land managers will lease out the property to private businesses who also don't own the land. They're just renters, basically. So they they come in, and this is where you see things like clear-cutting, for instance. They'll come in and they'll just rape, for lack of a better term, the natural resources of that particular plot of land. Lease comes up. 
it expires, they're out of there. They've got all the resources. The government land manager still gets paid the same amount regardless of uh, who does what to the land. So you see all kinds of ravaging of the natural resources without replanting or doing other things to, to keep up the territory as a private company would do if it owned the property because then it has the proper incentives to take care of the property being that they'll probably want to sell it later on down the line. So it's in their best interest as it is in a homeowner's best interest to keep up his property, same would it be uh, the same way it would be for uh, for private companies. So I hope that explains a few things for you. Any well, other I thoughts? What, I mean, what do what do we do? What do what do we do here from now? I mean, what's the next step to make sure that we all don't die from global climate destabilization? Well, no one's dying from global climate destabilization. The climate has changed uh, over time historically, and uh, that, that's I mean, change is going to happen. We're just going to we're going to learn to deal with it, whichever way it goes. It might start turning colder or warmer, or who knows what will happen. It's the climate. I would, I would argue that market forces are probably going to push us away from some of the more polluting technologies we have. Obviously, oil prices are high right now, and it while it, a lot of that might be speculation in the oil market. I think it's pretty clear that the end of cheap and easy oil is over. So it's at least going to high prices incentivize people to conserve, you know, run more efficient vehicles and explore alternatives if they're cost effective in the marketplace. And and it, I don't think government's a solution to that because we've seen what they've done with ethanol. Ethanol doesn't really reduce carbon emission at all. And it's not; it doesn't make sense in the marketplace if the government wasn't subsidizing it. So when there is a technology that makes sense and is competitive with oil, I think you'll see that start to come in. And it's probably not too far off because oil prices, they're going to be higher than we've been used to them being for certain. And I think that's here to stay. Any other thoughts, well, oil, Conrad? Oil prices aren't really high. Um, you know, relative to gold, they haven't moved at all. Really, it's just the dollar that's fallen and That's oil true. is traded trading so fast it adjusts in the market quicker. But people perceive but, it as being high. People most people aren't looking at it from that perspective. So the public perception is that prices are high. And gold part of the reason that gold moved, it's not just tied to the dollar. We when you see dollar weakness in terms of oil, if oil prices in terms of real prices, so excluding inflation, if oil prices are actually more expensive that is bad news for the dollar, and a lot of people move their money out of the dollar because oil's traded in dollars. So it, it kind of can be confusing. The dollar is going down, and in my opinion, oil's going up in real terms too. So you're seeing a, a double effect there on oil prices in terms of dollars. More coming up here. Your chance to take control of the airwaves. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. You can bring up anything. That is the point of the program and uh, in the meantime, we bring up stuff that we found interesting. And since somebody mentioned Landmark a few moments ago, I did a little bit of digging, and I did find the name of the French documentary that uh, that I had mentioned earlier. And uh, so what we're talking about here is this self is one of many 
self-help course, courses that are out there. There are a lot of these things that you can go out there and take. And I think that uh, for some people, these are definitely the right thing. I've certainly read uh, you know, my share of uh, information that is very positive thinking and uh, helps you you know, achieve your goals and helps you get the right mindset and gives you a little inspiration. And I think that self-help can be valuable. I, I, I do. I just don't think that you should have to pay through the nose for it. I don't think that there's anything really special that Landmark has going for it that makes it so much more valuable than other self-help out there. But really, isn't that just? Doesn't that just mean they're a business that found a way to make money? I mean, their product sure. might not might be the same as everyone else's, but if they can brand name their product, hey, it, good for them. I'm not. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be able to be out there making money and doing what they're doing. But I am going to critique what it is that they're doing when there's so many so many other competitors that aren't doing things as questionably as uh, the landmark people are. Well, what is it specifically that landmark? does that's so questionable as far as the way they treat the people paying to take their their course let me get into uh, the story here this is from cultnews.com and it talks about the french documentary that i referenced earlier the documentary is called inside landmark forum now you won't find this or it's very unlikely that you'll find this on a place like youtube or google video because landmark like kind of like the Church of Scientology will sue anybody that talks badly about it, basically. Right. Even if you're not even slandering them, just saying they don't have a good program, yeah. they'll sue you. Whatever it is, they'll uh, try to throw a lawsuit at you, even if they know it won't stick, just to scare you away from talking bad about them. So uh, this video had been put up on YouTube at one time, and YouTube pulled it down because they got scared. And so let me get the uh, explanation here again from cultnews.com's Rick Ross. The crew of Channel 3 in France effectively penetrated the shroud of secrecy that surrounds Landmark's introductory seminar called The Forum by using tiny hidden cameras. This provided proof firsthand to the French about what goes on inside the three days of training sessions because they won't let someone with a camera in if they know about the camera. You have to sneak them in there. Uh, with the, uh, within the first segment, the audience is introduced to Alain, Alain Roth, Landmark's former French director who leads the seminar. Roth subjects one woman to public humiliation before hundreds of participants and calls her an asshole. After being berated by the Landmark leader for about an hour, she breaks down in tears. About an hour? That's what it says here. She, uh, She breaks down in tears while he insults and mocks her. In this segment, the audience is also introduced to some of Landmark's jargon, comprised of thought-terminating clichés such as racket and inauthentic. And this is one of the things that people that will claim that things like this are a cult. And again, I, I tend to agree with Mark's suggestion that cults are only religious-based, but some will say that if there are, are special terms that don't mean what they normally mean in English, then that's another kind of hallmark of a cult, basically. Uh, so it goes on here. Terms uh, Roth routinely uses to just dismiss anyone that asks him questions that he doesn't really want to answer. In the second segment, a lawyer and brainwashing expert explains that Landmark breaks a person and he labels its methods totalitarian. On balance, an interview is included with Landmark's designated spokesperson, Sophie McLean, flown in from New York. Ms. McLean attempts to dismiss the description that her company is a cult or cult-like and that its business is somehow based upon brainwashing. McLean specifically cites a report Landmark paid a French psychiatrist to prepare. However, despite being paid more than 45,000 euro, the psychiatrist that Landmark hired to do a study on Landmark is 
less than positive about Landmark. The psychiatrist <laughs> laments... That'd be pretty bad at that point. He laments that Landmark's leaders lack meaningful training and calls this shocking. He then refuses to take a position as to whether the company is a cult or not. During segment three, unhappy Landmark customers refer to it as a sect, which is the most word... Uh, the most the word most commonly used by Europeans to describe what Americans would call a cult. One woman says she was treated like a puppet. Channel 3 then interviews the deputy mayor of one of the cities in France who once served as uh, the French Assembly Committee designed to investigate and identify sects. He says that uh, the spokesperson for Landmark is lying and explains that Landmark meets the criteria of a sect because it features a guru who destabilizes people to enslave them and relinquish critical thought. <laughs> now, I don't think that everybody that goes to Landmark is enslaved by Landmark. I think I think that the people talking against it here are pretty extreme in their own right as far as what they're saying about Landmark. But at the same time, their techniques are questionable. The blunt uh, Braird goes on to describe Landmark as a network of money focused primarily on making profits. Now, again, I have no problem with making a profit either. In segment four, one former student describes the long, grueling hours of training within a tightly controlled environment, which allows participants little time for critical thinking or perspective. These people don't even want you to get up and go to the bathroom when you're there. It's so controlled. The chairs are very uncomfortable. And some ex- some so-called brainwashing experts will suggest that techniques like this, restricting break times, restricting bathroom uh, availability, you'll go. You can go. They're not going to stop you with a bodyguard or something like that. But they highly discourage it and will, you know, attempt to talk you out of it. So they want you to kind of get in there and zone out into their little world as as much as possible without actually having any any meaningful time to really absorb and think about what it is that. That, uh, that you had just experienced. Anyway, uh, continuing here, Landmark's method of education is labeled emotional abuse. Then an expert sociologist discusses the structured and organized seminar format that engenders total power for the leader. He also concludes the goal is to destabilize the individual. The brainwashing expert adds that Landmark's participants are systematically regressed to a childlike state that affords the guru leader a stranglehold. The fifth segment reveals that much of what outsiders might perceive as spontaneous about Landmark and its students is in fact carefully rehearsed. The so-called graduation event at the end of the forum is actually a well-oiled ritual devised for seduction or recruitment. A former seven-year member of Scientology compares her sect to what is shown about Landmark. She observes the two organizations have a very similar approach. Roth is called a manipulator that uses a contrived vocabulary incomprehensible to those outside of Landmark. In the sort of like uh, Scientology with their Thesians, for instance. Right, and they they are pretending to have answers to questions that a normal, honest person would probably say, well, those are questions I can't yeah. answer. And so they're trying to provide comfort to their members and just a reason, uh, an explanation for how to do things and live life. In the final sixth segment, Landmark's volunteers are filmed doing everything from working the phones to scrubbing the bathroom floor for free. Channel 3 also captures... Now, someone could very easily say, well, Ian, you've got an AMP program where people can come and join your little club and send you money so you can run your business. And while that's all true, uh, 
certainly they're getting a return uh, in that they're getting access to the amp only call in lines. They get some benefits and perks from that, and it's you know it's it's explained up front what's going on there. And I've never asked an amplifier to clean my bathrooms for me. So I think there is a significant difference there. You can bring up anything. There's more here about Landmark in your calls as well. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are free, so enjoy those on us, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just go click and download. They're right there on the front page of the website. For your downloading convenience at freetalklive.com. President Barack Obama... John McCain, the North American Union, unconstitutional gun and drug laws, a national ID card? What's your trigger point? If it happens, what will you do? The Free State Project knows that one size does not fit all. Participants choose what event will trigger their move to New Hampshire to join the fight for freedom. Check it out at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. We are talking uh, briefly here because a, a caller brought it up about Landmark, which is one of many courses that one can go out and take and pay hundreds of dollars for for this sort of weekend-long uh, course, which allegedly claims to, to help people. It claims to help them understand themselves and their lives, and you know I don't have their list of claims, but the people that graduate from these Landmark courses speak glowingly about Landmark, and they say it's made a, a huge difference in their lives, and I don't doubt any of that. I don't doubt any of it. I think that uh, self-help courses can be really helpful for a lot of people because sometimes it's, it's helpful to have someone tell you the obvious, to have someone remind you of things that you probably already knew in the first place. Okay, So I don't deny that. But what I do have a problem with is some of the techniques that this particular organization uses, and it really does seem to have some hallmarks of some spooky kind of brainwashing activity going on. In fact, there was a French documentary that was done several years ago called Inside... Uh, ooh, what was it called? Inside Landmark, I believe. Uh, I can pull that up for you a little bit here later. But basically, uh, what they found here is that they, they really are abusive towards the people that are in their seminars, and they manage to actually get them to do things for them for free. It's a, it's a for-profit business, but they have their attendees. They turn them into volunteers, and they were filmed undercover doing everything from working the phones to scrubbing the bathroom floor for free. Uh, and in fact, this is probably one of the most out, uh, this is probably one of the worst parts about Landmark. Channel 3 in France captured firsthand how the company's volunteers repeatedly call and some even say harass past participants in order to take more courses. So what happens is you go to this introductory course and then towards the end you're you're told to invite some family members along for your graduation or some family and friends for your graduation from the course which is of course when they get the pitch to come and join the course and experience what it is that, you know, your friend or family member has has experienced. Which, again, pitching and, you know, trying to expand your market size is certainly understandable. One could argue that that's just normal sales. I mean, calling right. back, following up with past customers. That's what sure. you should do if you're selling something. But if you cross a certain line into constantly harassing people who have told you that 
no, that's okay. I'm not interested in going to your little landmark mark class. I'm glad you like it, but I'm not interested. If you keep calling back that person, that person has told you, I am not a prospect for you, right? That They've made it pretty clear. Right. So if you keep calling them back, then you're a pest and you're irritating and you're going to alienate someone who at, at one point in your life you considered a friend. And that's something that you'll see with courses like Landmark that try to bring in their customers and turn them into recruiters. They don't even get paid a spiff. They don't get paid a commission on this. They're just, they believe so much in the, the product that they've been sold, this, this life course, basically, that they literally man the phones and call up, in many cases, their friends and their family members, and they try to wrangle them into uh, to going to these courses to the point where they abuse their, uh, their friendships to the point where their friends don't want to be friends with them anymore. To the point where, in some instances, now remember, landmark people, if they call in tonight, Landmark people will say, well, it might have used to have been that way, but it's not that way anymore. The problem is you can't go in there with cameras to verify that it's not that way anymore. So this documentary was filmed a few years ago, and Landmark's been around for a long time. So I'm not doubting the claims that it's better than it used to be. There's evidence to point to that. But still, some of this stuff goes on, and it results in people alienating themselves from their friends. They're told things like, well, if your friends don't want to come to Landmark, then you don't need them as friends. That sort of thing. So essentially, completely shutting them right, off. Right, and that would be that would be an earmark of a of a, a cult. cult. Yeah, exactly. That's, when they tell you you need to either get your friends to join whatever the group is, charismatic or not leader. be friends with them. That's right. that's what cults do. Charismatic leader, somebody who's on stage abusing people. Uh, they've got the they've got the these alternative words that have their own definitions. The very very strenuous kind of circumstances to learn under, and then in addition, alienating people from their loved ones if their loved ones don't want to come and join the landmark organization. So there are several factors here that I fundamentally have a disagreement with. But if they want to keep doing their business and you want to keep going there, then it's your money and your time, my I'm, friends. I'm sure Mark, if he were here tonight, would have something to say about the oh, we did this for Mark. We, t- we argued about this one night for three hours on the air. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mark has gone and he seemed to be you know, a proponent of the program. And so I understand maybe he has a different view on it. And it, it's perfectly possible that there there is a positive side to the program that no is shown about in the it. document. Because no one wants to talk about a self-help program that works for people and do a documentary on that. But there's nothing you can get. There's nothing positive you can get from Landmark that you can't get from one of a dozen other self-help courses out there, whether it be actually in a seminar format as the Landmark formats are, or in just a few, you know, a self-help book. I mean, there's, you could pay twelve ninety five at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com and order books, you know, that would help you as much as, you know, this particular seminar. And other seminars are not as abusive and they're not as uh, cult-like as this is. That's all, I've, that's all I've ever said about Landmark. As we go to your calls, Jim is on the line in Second Life. You're on Free Talk Live, Jim. Jim, going once? Hey, how's it going? Hey, Jim, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, nothing much. Uh, I love the topic of cults. It's probably one of my favorite topics. Um, one of the things that uh, I've, I've looked into when I was looking into uh, landmark education was like the, the very close similarities between them and say like uh, you know like a just dangerous and destructive cult like uh, like I don't know Scientology. Mm-hmm. And I mean it, it, it's very 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 similar. I mean it, if you have any kind of 
understanding of how cults work, how they operate, how they recruit, how they get people brainwashed, how they get people to do their bidding and stuff, even how to get them to do bidding without even knowing what they're doing. It's a very fascinating topic. Um, if you ever get a chance, go on YouTube and look up the word uh, mind control cults. Okay. Yeah, a very good video that kind of goes through the whole explanation of how cults bring people in, how they uh, manipulate people, but they kind of do it in a fun way and kind of make you understand how you can make your own cult. Mm. So, and by the way, the uh, speaking of things you can watch, the landmark documentary I was referencing earlier, I had the, the incorrect term uh, or name, not, not complete, I'd called it Inside Landmark. It's called Inside Landmark Forum. It was made in 2003 in France, and you can probably only find it on Torrent. You might be yeah. able to find it on the Internet somewhere if you go and search for it, but it's definitely available on Torrent. Yeah, it's a very good documentary. If you haven't seen it, you've you got to go watch it. In fact, I'd recommend anyone who doesn't understand cult or anything like that to go and look up the stuff so they can notice the signs and be wary when someone tries to pitch you those, those offers and stuff like that because their offers are very similar. They say the same things. They use the same – like, for example, you were talking about how that lady was um, basically being, you know, bull-baited into – you know, breaking down and crying, and that's that's a very uh, popular tactic with cults. Is what they'll do is they'll point out your quote unquote ruin, and then they will attack your ruin and make you feel really, really, really bad about it. And then they will only offer you one solution. AA is really good at this too. Uh, their, their whole stick is really based on that. Is ruin another one of those cult terms? Yeah, uh, the ruin would that that would be a Scientology cult jargon. Actually. I see. See, there you go. That, that's there. There's that jargon where if you're on the outside, it's very difficult to understand what it is that they're talking about. It's obscure. Right. And the whole point of that is to kind of make you feel better than everyone else who's not in the cult with you. And also, if you're spending more time trying to understand the words that they're saying, it's it's harder for you to question the things that they're saying. It's, it's another one of those brain control mm, Very interesting. A lot of this has been very calculated. And, Jim, thank you for the input tonight. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever it is that you want. This is your show. The phones are loaded. If you're on hold, we'll get to you. Talk about anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Nick. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us if you like the show. And you want to help support Free Talk Live, shop with us at the Free Talk Live store. Just go to store.freetalklive.com. Order great Free Talk Live branded merchandise like T-shirts, hats, hoodies, and more. All available to you at reasonable prices. High-quality merchandise, by the way. Store.freetalklive.com. And are you remodeling your kitchen or bath? Well, now you can purchase knobs, poles, and faucets at wholesale prices and support a business that supports Free Talk Live. Internobs.com. Save 10% on your order by using the code FTL at checkout. That's internobs.com. I-N-T-E-R-K-N-O-B-S dot com. Friendly service and wholesale prices for knobs, pulls, and more at internobs.com. As we continue with your calls about what you want, let's go to Matt in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live. Matt. Hello, hey, Matt. How are you doing? Hey, what's on your mind, sir? I don't think it's fair for you guys to be talking about um, 
these this cult thing without your resident brainwashed cult number being there. Hey, I didn't bring it up. Somebody else called in tonight and brought it up, so we're going to talk about it. There's certainly possibility that people out there are listening and they've attended this particular landmark forum, and they are welcome to comment about it. It's not like the phone lines are closed to people like that. So, and I'm not attacking Mark. I think that he says he's gotten a benefit from it. He says he's never cleaned their bathroom. So, great. Okay. I, I didn't deny that it could be helpful to some people. I just don't think their tactics are uh, are quite up to snuff. Uh, I was a member of a cult when I was a kid. I was brought up in the Catholic Church. <laughs> and uh, when I was in the fifth grade, uh, they were supposed to confirm you in the fifth grade. And I told my parents I didn't want to be confirmed. I don't want to go. I quit going. Hmm. What does it mean to be confirmed? I, I don't know exactly it's what that is. It's uh, a ceremony. Uh, like uh, you know, kind of like uh, I guess comparable to like baptism, um, the Jewish, the Jewish uh, um, becoming of a man kind of thing. Except this is our, our kids; they've learned the Bible is is basically what what it's saying. You've so, what do you have to take a test or something? It's, you know, I never went through the ceremony, so I don't know. My understanding was that you did part of confirmation was that you were confirming your faith in Christ after you did the the whole catechism and you learned about the Bible. That was my right. understanding of it. Right. I don't know what the ceremony is like, though. I know my, my older brothers and sisters were confirmed, but I didn't go to their confirmations. Or if I did, I don't remember it. I, I'm being and, told and here, but uh, the, the board operator account. says, Matt, that it's about being confirmed as, uh, or being recognized as an adult in the church. What age were you? At what age were you when this happened? Um, fifth grade, about 12. Oh, wow. 11 hmm. or 12. So that's why I said it's the same, or the, uh, comparable to the Jewish uh, ceremony that the okay. Jewish boys have. Um, Were your parents pretty upset about that, that you didn't want to participate? My dad was. My mom uh, was brought up a, uh, a Methodist, so she wasn't. She gotcha. Wasn't at all. But my dad was a, a very, very much a, uh, a believer in Catholicism, and he was really upset. Told me I was going to go to hell. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to go to hell, but... Very good. What else did you have um, to share? I called in tonight um, because a couple nights ago you were talking about uh, monsters and uh, uh, the drink, the the, uh, the energy drinks. Caffeine drinks, yeah. Caffeine. And we had ago, a guy call in. I'm sorry to interrupt, but we had a guy call in Saturday night who uh, claimed that he was drinking something like eight of those things a day. I don't oh know God. if that was a real call or not, but it sure was entertaining, and that's what kind of started the conversation. Go ahead, sir. Well... I work in, in the vending industry, and um, I, I started there about 20 years ago. And coffee's free when, you, when you're working at these places. So I used to drink eight to ten cups of coffee a day. Wow. Cups, about 120 ounces of coffee a day. Kept my bladder clean. Um, and then, you know, we could smoke at the bench at the time I smoked. So I was drinking about eight to ten cups of coffee. I was smoking. I was smoking two packs of cigarettes a day. Mm. I quit that about 10 years ago. Um, and then on the weekends, we'd go out and get blitzed all night long. There's been nights when I can't remember driving home. Wow. I, I couldn't remember how I got home. And, you, well, um, you were living a life that a lot of Americans live. A lot of Americans spend a significant chunk of their income on the vices that you're talking about. And, I mean, just on the on the two packs a day of cigarettes alone, I mean, even at... At a relatively low price of four dollars a pack, that's that's uh, that's eight dollars a day, three hundred sixty-five days. That's three thousand dollars. You said you quit ten years ago, so you've saved about thirty thousand dollars in cigarettes alone. 
<laughs> that's one way to look at it. That's I a down payment on a house, a, my friend. I quit when they were about a dollar seventy a pack. So. Oh, I see. But still, back then, that would have been it. Would have been a lesser total, but still, because of inflation, would probably still have been about the same amount of value. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I know that the lawsuits for the tobacco companies drove the price up considerably because they passed that on to customers. And um, also, state taxes always go up. I think New Hampshire's talking about going up again because they have uh, another budget shortfall this year. So So go ahead, sir. And then then about 10 years ago, too, what happened to me was I started having heart palpitations. It would Uh feel like somebody was strumming fingers inside my chest. (laughs) I just strum your fingers. That's what it would feel like. Wow. And um, I got a little worried. So I, I went guess. to the doctor, and I'm telling him what's going on. The first thing the doctor asked me is, do you do cocaine? I was like, huh. no. I drink a lot of coffee. And I told him I drank eight to ten cups of coffee a day. He goes, quit drinking coffee. So just so people know out there, you start you just start drinking that much coffee, and you take that much caffeine, it's going to affect your heart. That's pretty serious, man. I mean, how did you do with your uh, your quitting? I mean, did you actually cut it off cold turkey, or are you still uh, drinking today? What's your yeah, status? Yeah, well, I, I drink coffee nowadays, but I only drink two cups. But when the doctor told me that, I quit for about a year, a year and a half. Just boom, cold turkey, cold turkey. shut it off. Wow. I've always been able to do that. I quit smoking cold turkey. Um, people told me, how would you do that? I know, I just quit. Basically, what I did was I took a cigarette out, I looked at it, and I told it it wasn't going to beat me. That was it. That was you, all. Yeah, you have to want it. I mean, even with the the laser surgeries or not, I guess not surgery, but the laser treatment that they have. And my former girlfriend had the shot, the smoking shot. And even with that stuff, they'll tell you this isn't going to work unless you really want to quit. So the people that ask you the question of, well, how could you do that? They don't believe that they can beat it. They don't believe or they, they can quit. They don't actually want to. Or they don't actually want to. And so right, if you're coming I, at I it from that true. mindset, you're guaranteed to fail. But if you're coming at it from the mindset of, I'm done with this, then and I'm moving on, then you'll you'll have much more, a better chance, uh, better odds of uh, success. What was the withdrawal like for you? No, I had maybe uh, uh, about a week there where I really, really wanted a cigarette, but I just, you know, I just kept saying, you know, it's just, it's just a weed wrapped in paper. I don't need it. Yeah, I can replace I that with a different it, weed. It's not going to beat me. I'm smarter and I'm better than a weed. Congratulations to you. And any other thoughts tonight, Matt? Um, maybe I should apply that same uh, that same uh, sense of of uh, the ability to do it to the three state project and get out there to New Hampshire. There's no reason why anybody can't really do it unless they are physically. You know, tied down in some way, like the state is demanding that they stay within their borders, like the poor FLDS mothers. Of course, even in that case, you could still make a run for it, I guess, but then who knows, you might get extradited. Not sure how that yeah. will all play out. But for the most part, as long as you're relatively semi free, like most of us are, it's just a matter of putting together a little bit of spare money and making it happen. I got my kids here with my ex wife, so if I was to move away, it would mean I'd. And I wouldn't have as much contact with them. And that's a tough factor, no doubt about that. That's a big factor. Yeah. And then um, the job thing. I'm really afraid to move without having a job lined up. 
Yeah, I understand that. Certainly people have done it both ways. Uh, as far as the Free State Project, we've seen people that have been very cautious and making sure they've got a job lined up before they come up. And then some people just, you know, threw caution to the wind and said, screw it, it's just a job, I'll get something crappy if necessary. And uh, they came up here, found something, and, you know, eventually found something else. So it tends, just does tend to work out, uh, and that's what we see happening. So thank you for the call tonight, Matt. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. We go to Jeremy in Montana, listening on KGEZ. Hello, Jeremy. Hey, Nick. Hey, Ian. How's it going, fellas? Pretty hey, good. Hey, dude. What's on your mind? Hey, man. I wish I had some weed wrapped in some paper. <laughs> it's not that hard to find, man. Go talk to some high school kids. Uh, I'm kidding. I, oh, okay. But anyway, I want to talk about uh, politically correctness. Okay. Um. You know, even even though you know you may not be guilty of something because it's politically correct, correct, then they find you guilty anyway, right? Okay, so sure. What, so why don't we start out voting these people that got the politically correct, correct crap on their brain? Ah, uh, well, you know, it's possible to maybe win an election here or there, but what we found, and Jeremy, thank you for the call. What we found is that. At least what I found is that working in the system doesn't really result in significant gain. Even if your guys win, which is difficult enough, even if your guys win, it doesn't result in significant change. In fact, uh, one of the anointed possible candidates lost big time in New Jersey recently. More coming up. It's free. There's a reason it doesn't sound like the old media. Which of those court justices are going to sit there and err on the side of your Fourth Amendment? That's because it's the new media. Dan Carlin. Common sense. I think fast and I talk fast and the people that like this program can deal with that. Common sense with Dan Carlin. A free-thinking, politically independent view of things from a man who's had way too much caffeine. Get the MP3 or podcast at iTunes or go to dancarlin.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Nick. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features there are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We continue with your calls about whatever you want. We go to Michael in New Hampshire on the amp line. Hello, Michael. Oh, good evening, gentlemen. Hey, good evening. What's on your mind tonight? Well, uh... Actually, at the top of last hour, I've forgotten what happened at the top of last... Oh, yes, yes. Um, you had a caller who asked a uh, question about free market environmentalism. Yes, sir. And I wanted to give a quick example about uh, about that. As you know, I've been out uh, hiking the Appalachian Trail. Indeed. Which runs, uh, oh, 2,100 miles or so from, from Georgia to Maine. Now, this trail is actually maintained across its length by 43 different private hiking clubs, hmm. which uh, most of them are non-profit, but I think there's one for-profit club in there, which actually uh, I think is the one here in New Hampshire, the Appalachian Mountain Club. But uh, they go out, they keep the trails clean, they pick up litter that people throw off, they, they grade the trails, they relocate them. They If a tree falls over the trail, they'll cut cut it down and all that, Keep get it out of the way. Just do whatever maintenance needs to be done, and uh, they actually send volunteers out who will go out and hike and talk to hikers and 
and help them out if they need assistance or have questions, whatever. So, so it's basically um, a group of people that loves being on the trail so much they've fallen in love with the Appalachian Trail to where they're willing to volunteer for X amount of hours every month or every year uh, in order to help keep the trail in uh, walkable shape. Oh yeah, and they even they even go out there and actually build shelters, lean-tos out there that, wow. that people will be able to sleep in. So that's um, impressive. Yeah, so so it could work that way. It could work on a on a for-profit basis. It, there are many different ways it could go. Totally, but I think it's great that you're you're pointing out that right here in uh, you know the current society, we already have examples of how perhaps a much uh, wider uh, cutting environmental free market environmental movement might actually work out. And especially, uh, it'd be especially interesting if people were actually allowed to keep the money that they earned in the first place instead of having it transferred over to government bureaucrats to d- arbitrarily decide what to do. Then all of these people that are already involved in all these environmental things would have more money with which to invest and more money with which to dispose in the ways that suited them the best and that would probably be saving animals and saving the environment yeah i i mean my myself i'm planning to to send some money to some of these hiking clubs so that they'll uh, be able to put more services out there very cool good example uh, any other thoughts uh yeah i did want to make an announcement uh on monday night we had kind of a extended conversation about porcupine 411 yes which is the service up here that you can call and leave a message and it gets it gets blasted out to people's email boxes and cell phones that's correct and um wait that's available on cell phone now yeah, you can get a multimedia message and the audio file plays right on your cell phone. Wow. Okay, so if you have a cell phone that can play audio files, then you can you can sign up for a cell phone delivery at Pork 411. That is so cool. That's well, most people do at this point have a have a phone that will handle that. I mean, your your cheap little track phones or whatever won't do it. Not yeah, not me. I always get the freebie phone. So whenever it is, I buy a cell too. phone service. <laughs> okay, if it's free, it's for me. You know. Yeah, if you've got if you've got even even a freebie phone, if you've picked it up in the last year or two, it should work. I don't think I can play audio files. But I, like I can use the little recording device in the phone, but I don't believe I can actually download audio files to the phone. But I could be well, wrong. Who I'll knows? get with you later, and we'll see if we can set it up or not on your phone. But uh, the thing we were talking about on Monday was uh, the possibility of having a line like a uh, Porcupine 911, as it were, yeah. that a live person would answer and, and help you out whatever situation you happen to be in. I think it's an awesome idea. A message. And uh, that that went live yesterday. Oh, Wow. So uh, I wanted to make that announcement. And uh, Where can people find number. more information about this? Because I know people can go to 411.nhfree.com to get signed up for the Pork 411 to experience mm-hmm. that. Uh, and they certainly don't have to be in the state to receive those messages. But uh, yeah. where would one go to get more info about the Pork 911? Um, I don't have a website set up yet, but there is a Porcupine 911 thread on the NH Free forum. Very cool. Who's staffing this, and how well-staffed is it at this point? Um, right now, there are three of us who are, who are manning the lines. There's myself, there's uh, Cat Canning, and uh, Vampire Zim. How is it that you're planning on dealing with uh, the potential for crank calls? We did see where, uh, for instance, 
during the Ron Paul campaign, the Pork 411 number got out there when all the Ron Paul activists were here in the state for Operation Live Free or Die, and we saw that people, you know, probably not the Ron Paul people, but just because the number was getting out there more often, that the amount of people that had the number more, therefore there's more likely that someone's going to call and crank the line. We did see some calls like that come through. What Do you have a way to, to ban numbers from ever calling back or something like that? What do you What's your plan to deal with that? Because it seems like eventually as it grows in popularity, that'll be a problem. Yeah, that, that could be a problem in the future. Um, one of the things we saw in the Ron Paul campaign is a lot of people called the number just to see what it was because they, did, they didn't know how it worked or anything. And right. uh, no one gave them the web address. They just, got the, they just found the phone number from somewhere, and, and they didn't know what was going on. Um, with this, you're, you're actually talking to a live person, so um, you, you, you can tell crank callers after, after a very short while. So... And uh, you got the caller ID, so um, yeah, I can I can definitely ban calls. I can I can ban Skype entirely if I need to. Um, so, uh, which is like where that. a lot of prank callers might come from because there's no actual phone number attached to a Skype account. Right. Got it. So I I can I can do that if it if it becomes necessary. But uh, honestly, I don't think it'll be that big a deal. I mean, we haven't really had that many uh, issues with prank calls on port 411. It's mainly been wrong numbers and, and things of that nature. And yeah. When you've got a live person answering the line, you can you can sort all that out. I think it's awesome. So do your operators have some sort of terminal at this point to where, you know, they take a, an incoming call and then after the call's over, can they blast out a recording of the call to, to an email list? Uh, you know, what are their options as far as getting help or getting assistance to someone? Well, that, that's what I'm working on now because uh, since, it, since it's, a, it's a new idea, we haven't done it before, um, we, I really don't know what to expect, how, how the system's going to be used, so I'm not entirely sure what sort of uh, communications options are going to be needed. So in the next few days, I'm going to be setting up uh, quite a few different things, uh, email, phones, uh, voicemail, SMS, uh, instant messenger, whatever I can think of. So... I have to say, this is incredibly exciting. I mean, this is an, an, an unprecedented development in the history of pro-liberty activism, in the history of activism, to have enough activists concentrated in the same area to where a 24-hour staffed 911 private emergency hotline is actually available. You're, you're hearing the very beginnings of it right here being discussed uh, here on Free Talk Live. I mean, this, this, you're making history, Michael. I mean, this is an incredible thing that you're doing. And I, I think that, you know, I hope that you'll see more people step up. What's it, uh, you know, what does it take to actually become an operator in, in one of these, uh, in this particular system? All you need is a phone and a computer. It doesn't even have to be a voice over IP. It can be a regular landline um, phone and a computer with a broadband Internet connection. So basically, your volunteers are going to tell you, okay, well, I'm available from here to, you know, from this time to this time on these days. And I can take right. calls at that time, and your system is automated to where the calls will be routed to the appropriate operator at the appropriate times? That's exactly how it works. Wow. I, I'm impressed. And, and it's actually, from what I understand, the system you're using is relatively affordable. So what's this all costing you to do as far as, a, you know, from an activist perspective, what kind of cost are you incurring? Oh, well, the, co the costs are going to depend on uh, how much people use it, which... Which, as a, as a 911 line, I imagine it's going to get a lot less use than than port 411. Sure. So, 
I don't think it's going to be expensive. And I've got it on the same platform as, as the phone service, the port 411, and the amp lines, everything else. So um, the recurring cost there, it just, it's just divided into that. Please keep us up to date on this, uh, because I think it's one of the coolest activism developments that we've seen here in New Hampshire so far, and I think it'll be an incredibly useful tool as it continues to grow, as more people are able to operate on the service and more people become aware of the service and start to and begin to utilize it in times of need. I think you're doing a great job, Michael, and keep up the good work. Thank you, sir, for the call tonight. You're welcome. 800-259-9231. Have you got that going on in your state? This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com, and those features include the wiki, get interactive, and edit virtually anything you see there. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. You can go to wiki.freetalklive.com, see what it's all about. That's wiki, W-I-K-I, dot freetalklive.com. What mischief is the iron fist of the state up to lately? And what the hell is an amphibious routini monster? Anarchyinyourhead.com is a webcomic about the philosophy of freedom in its purest form. Check in every Friday for a new strip and find bonus material throughout the week. All at anarchyinyourhead.com. That's anarchyinyourhead.com. 800-259-9231. Continuing with your calls, Dennis is on the line in New Hampshire on the amp line. Hello, Dennis. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? So I, I was killing some time on the web today, and I finally got got around to reading a little bit of freedomengineering.com. Freedom-engineering.com. Yes, one of our sponsors. Yeah, and it's I, it, it's a problem because it's one of those highly addictive things that I was intending to kill like two minutes and ended up killing <laughs> like 20 that I couldn't really afford. Oh, okay. yeah. oh well. It was, but I, I have to say, I, I'm enjoying the addiction. This, this is good. And after good reading the first chapter that was kind of a really scary scenario of the future i'm i'm suddenly looking through e-trade and kind of going okay precious metals what's the right way to invest and how do i deal with this um so it's not only is it entertaining but it's also spurring you to doing things huh yeah definitely i i have had in the back of my mind for a long time that i should have more of a position in in precious metals, and to me that doesn't mean buying a bunch of coins or, or sitting on top of a vault somewhere, but I'm trying to be an educated buyer. Um, very cool. Yeah, another thing I wanted to comment on with it is it's very much a web novel. Like I don't see how you could print this in a book and really get the same thing, mm-hmm. because there are so many little hyperlinks that go off, and that's part of the addiction of reading this, is I keep getting to a point there's a hyperlink about something that looks interesting and oh, then I, I spend time screwing around there. So then there's more to explore than just the characters in the story. There's other ideas. Play. Yeah, and he links off to real world stuff and I end up reading real world stuff, which is also kind of weird. It reminds me a lot of the probability approach in terms of the story, which of course I loved. Um so yeah, it's good stuff. I, Very I'm cool. enjoying reading it and I just wish it wasn't so addictive. Oh, well, sorry about that. What can we do, you know? <laughs> Anything else, uh, Dennis? That's that. How do you feel about that uh, Pork 911 development? That's pretty exciting, huh? That is wildly huge and awesome, and all I can say is thank God Michael Hampton is on our side. (laughs) (laughs) Great points. Thanks for the call tonight. We appreciate it. That's uh, Michael Hampton, who we were just talking to, who is the uh, proprietor of HomelandStupidity.us, by the way. Great blog site. 
Uh, highly recommend that. We continue here. Zach is on the line in, uh, excuse me, not New Hampshire, South Carolina. Zach, you're on Free Talk Live on the amp line. Hello. Zach. Hi, I read a news story last week that I believe is actually a story about a government doing something good. Sure, let's see. Go ahead, hit me. Let me see what this one's all about. Well, there was recently a tribe down in Brazil spotted in, the, I believe, in the Amazon. That is an uncontacted tribe. They've had no contact with the outside world ever. Okay. And the Brazilian government says that they want to make sure that the tribe is not bothered and that they retain their autonomy. And I thought that if that happened in the U.S., they would be sending in agents to arrest the people for not paying their taxes and other crimes. That's a good point. Or they, you know, they treat them like they treated the Indians, and that didn't go so well. So, you know, I'll, I'll give you that one there, Zach. Uh, sounds like the Brazilian government made the right choice in that particular case. Maybe they were frightened, though. I mean, maybe they were so scared because they were, the, you know, this is a tribe that has never seen uh, the society we're used to. They, they've been completely uh, enclosed and enveloped in the Amazon rainforest. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they thought that if they tried something with the tribe that they wouldn't have the same respect for their legitimacy that the rest of us do. Like most people in America are afraid to death of the uh, the U.S. government uh, and are, are willing to do whatever it is the government demands of them. Whereas a tribe in the middle of the forest doesn't have any of those preconceived notions about what a nation is or a country or patriotism or any of those concepts. So if the Brazilian government people were to show up and to say, we are the Brazilian government and we demand that you, ex- you know, leave this land right away or we'll arrest you all and throw you into jail. They wouldn't even know what jail or arrest or any of that stuff really meant. They wouldn't know what a government was. So that could simply be just the government trying to protect itself more so than anything else like oh yeah we're gonna leave these guys alone because we're nice but it probably is because they're scared of the tribe that's my guess though nick what Um, do you think i doubt it i think uh i think the brazilian military could probably dispatch of any uprising from a tribe that doesn't have guns or even metal implements they could dispatch of it very quickly if that's what they wanted that's true but it would look bad that that would look bad and and again the the tribe would have no preconceived notions that they would have to overcome in order to fight back so it'd be significantly different from going after most people yeah I i don't think i i mean i don't think the government necessarily had too much interest in not contacting them I just don't – why would they want to contact a tribe right. that has nothing that they want? Yeah, yeah exactly. So they can't extract taxes from them or anything. They're it, not, it's, it's not like they were paying taxes and then stopped. Right. It doesn't. So it doesn't really cost them anything to be nice in this case. That's a good point. Zach, any other thoughts? That's it. Thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Let's go across the pond briefly for a – An update on the security state in the U.K. As we've pointed out a number of times, things are a little worse in the U.K. as far as their road to tyranny is concerned. They've they've gone a little farther, a little faster uh, than the the United States government has. And here's a a real sign of the times. According to thisislondon.co.uk, an airline passenger claimed that a security guard threatened to arrest him because he was wearing a T-shirt. Showing a cartoon robot with a gun. Brad Jayakoti, 30, from London, said he was stopped from passing through security at Heathrow's Terminal 5 after his Transformers t-shirt was deemed offensive. The IT consultant was set to fly on a business trip to Dusseldorf in Germany when he was pulled to one side. 
He said the first guard started joking with him about the Transformers character depicted on his French Connection t-shirt. He then explains that since Megatron is holding a gun, I'm not allowed to fly, he said. It's a 40-foot-tall cartoon robot with a gun as an arm. There's no way this shirt is offensive in any way, and what am I going to use the shirt to pretend I have a gun? He was cooperative with the supervisor and took off the offensive T-shirt, replacing it with another shirt in his carry-on luggage. Luckily, he didn't pack all Transformer shirts for the weekend, or he would have been SOL. A spokesbureaucrat for Heathrow said if a T-shirt had a rude word or bomb on it, for example, a passenger may be asked to remove it. We're investigating what happened to see if it comes under this category. Well, so what if it didn't? What if they finished their investigation and they determined that, well, he shouldn't have been told to remove the Transformers t-shirt. He was t-shirt. still told to remove the t-shirt. And he he's not going to get restitution. It. It's no. not like they're going to cut him a, you know, give him a free flight or something like that because they inconvenienced him. And why do passengers have to remove a t-shirt that has a rude <laughs> word or a bomb on a, because it's a t-shirt? It's a picture of Someone a may be offended and we can't have that. People can't be offended anymore, Nick. It goes beyond security this into is, social engineering and yeah. censorship. Yep, 800-259-9231. And this is in that category of things that, you know, you think that, oh, you're not going to get in trouble with the government because you don't do drugs and you're not a terrorist, but wear the wrong T-shirt nowadays. And you're gonna, I mean, he probably almost got thrown in the clink if he didn't switch out the T-shirt. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features there are free, so enjoy those on us. And those features include live streams. We've got a broadband version and a dial-up version. Both are free for you, so enjoy those at freetalklive.com. And most of Free Talk Live is brought to you by SACL CAI. Do you have a company that needs, that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com. That is SACL CAI. Our number, 800-259-9231, talking about uh, the police at Heathrow Airport in the U.K., Pulling a man aside because of his T-shirt. Now, did the T-shirt say, I have a bomb? No. Did the T-shirt threaten anyone? Was the T-shirt in any way dangerous? Well, they would argue that it was offensive. And apparently having an offensive T-shirt on is enough to get you pulled aside by security at Heathrow International Airport. According to thisislondon.co.uk, a 30-year-old IT professional was on the way to Germany... At the time, and he was wearing a Transformers T-shirt with a picture of Optimus Prime on it, and he says, actually, in the article, it says it's Megatron, but he's wearing an Optimus Prime T-shirt in the picture. Anyway, the the robot is carrying a gun. So apparently, had this been a Transformers T-shirt with just a robot on it, then he would have been okay. But because well, yeah, the gun was the element <laughs> right. that the, the security personnel deemed offensive. Right, right. And according to the spokes bureaucrat from Heathrow, he says 
that if, if it's offensive, we don't want other passengers upset. He said there was no record of the incident, and the passenger certainly didn't make a formal complaint at the time. Uh, so he, he was forced to change his T-shirt. They weren't going to let him board his plane until he pulled another T-shirt out of his bag and swapped into it. It's pretty outrageous. Yeah, you do have to keep in mind that from a British perspective, guns are handguns are essentially illegal there. Yeah. So it would be kind of the same as somebody wearing, I don't know, a, a T-shirt with a giant pot leaf on it or a heroin needle. That's probably the way that a lot of people in the public there view that. Too. Maybe so. So beyond just the fact that it's a gun, it's also guns are treated in much the same way that drugs are here. So there's a diff- there's a different mentality at work there. I doubt that in the U.S. you would have that problem yet. Not yet, but we're, we're following, and when I say we, the government, the U.S. government is following in the footsteps of the U.K. The U.K. does something, they get away with it. The U.S. government looks at it and says, hmm, we should try that over here. In fact, as an example of a similar story that actually happened here in the United States, here's one from the New York Times, this one from today. Apparently... This morning, a Boston-born performance artist, Yasmani Arbolita, tried to set up a provocative art exhibition in a vacant storefront in Midtown Manhattan with the title, The Assassination of Hillary Clinton slash The Assassination of Barack Obama, in neatly stenciled letters on the plate glass windows at street level. By 9.30 in the morning, New York City police detectives and secret service agents had shut down the exhibition, and building workers had quickly covered over the inflammatory title with large sheets of brown paper and blue masking tape. The galleries across the street from the southern entrance to the New York Times building. The police officers declined to answer any questions, and at first would not permit reporters to speak with Mr. Arbolita, who was wearing a black t-shirt and making cell phone calls from inside the makeshift gallery. Later, Arbolita, who's 27, said in an interview, it's art. It's not supposed to be harmful. It's about character assassination, about how Hillary and Obama have been portrayed by the media. This is his opinion, obviously. He added, it's about the media. So he was trying to explain to people, this is not encouraging people to kill the presidential candidates. It sounds like it may have been supporting those candidates. It does sound like that. talking about character assassination by the media. Exactly. But nonetheless, because the term assassination was used, they got all touchy-feely and PC and came in there and they literally shut down this man's art exhibit. They papered over the windows. I'm surprised he didn't get the Secret Service in there. He did. Uh, New York City Police and Secret Service. Oh, I thought it was just the New York City Police. No, both of them. The interview was uh, abruptly ended as Mr. Arbolita was led off to Midtown South Police Precinct Station for what he called an interrogation. Reached by phone uh, this morning, the building manager said I had no idea what he was going to do. All I knew was he was an artist and and was going to use the store for two days, today and tomorrow. And uh, he says that... He would not identify the building's owner and wouldn't disclose the terms of the lease beyond the store beyond t- saying that the storefront was vacant. Arbolita had even set up elaborate websites, one for Clinton and one for Obama. And the website URLs are theassassinationofhillaryclinton.com and theassassinationofbarackobama.com. So if you want to have some idea of what his exhibit was like in person, you can go and visit his websites. Shortly after 11.30, Arbolita called reporters to let them know that he had been released. The Secret Service had to do a whole questionnaire with me, he said. It was a, about an hour of questioning. They asked if I owned guns, if I was a violent person, if I had ever been institutionalized. Mr. Arbolita answered no. 
Nonetheless, he said Secret Service asked him if he would voluntarily take down the exhibit title from the window. He says, I'm renting that space. The space was allocated for an exhibition. It's my right to put those words up. They said it could incite someone to do something crazy, like break the window. It's terrible because they're violating my rights. If someone breaks a window, they're committing a crime. Yeah, I agree with him. I mean, if, they, if someone breaks a window, then you deal with that then. Right. You, well, and you can't justify it by saying he incited it. I mean, does that mean that if you ever say anything that offends someone and they punch you in the face? That it's your fault? That, yeah, that suddenly you can just hit people because you don't agree with them or damage their property? He says the exhibition is supposed to be about character assassination. It's philosophical and metaphorical. But don't expect the cops and the Secret Service to understand the nuances of all that. All they see is just the... Oh, my gosh, someone put the word assassination Clinton next assassinate. to Clinton. <laughs> yeah, but I'm wondering, they asked him if he owned guns. What would, mm-hmm. he, what would they have done if he said, he said yes, yes, take him away? Just That's because he had said something that they... It's clear that he wasn't threatening anyone, which could have been a crime. Since well, he, if, he'd said yes, if he'd said yes to that, it would have been New York City, so that would have been admission of a crime, and they would have arrested him right then. I would think. If he admitted to owning guns? Oh, right. Well, if they were asking, then they would probably already know whether... And if you're owning them legally, New York City would already know that because I'm sure you have them yeah. registered and on file. Exactly. I'm sorry. I interrupted you, though. No, but I'm just pointing out that what if he had had a registered firearm? Could they take that away from him just because he said something, Put something they didn't yeah. agree with? That's a great question. Uh, he says here that he has, he has not yet decided whether to take down the exhibition's title, saying he first needed to speak with the uh, building's owner or the owner of the building's representatives. Police Commissioner Raymond Kelly, speaking to reporters at Police Plaza around noon, said, I'm not certain he has been arrested. He put up signs indicating the assassination of Senator Clinton and Barack Obama, and we notified the Secret Service this individual is being spoken to. He apparently made statements that had to do with their reputation. This is all under investigation. Asked whether the artwork was being seen as dangerous, Mr. Kelly said, Obviously, it sounds totally inappropriate. We need more information as to what the purpose of it was. As I say, apparently he made some statements that he was referring to their reputations. Don't know, but we'll have to get more information. He is being questioned now by our detectives and the Secret Service. So, you're living in a country today where... There's still a Constitution and the Bill of Rights. I know, no one really cares anymore, apparently. But it does say that you have the right to free speech. And if it's private property, you should be able to say whatever it is you want to say. Apparently, though, saying something offensive in America now is a potential crime. Now, to be fair, he wasn't arrested. He wasn't charged with anything. He was but certainly that, threatened with arrest. Right. I mean, it was implied that he could be arrested. Sure. Maybe if he said the wrong thing, who knows what would, have, what would have happened. If he had offended the police, they certainly would have made something up. But you can't look at this and say, oh, well, we have the greatest country in the world. Look how he was, he was treated. He could, they just questioned him. They let him out. The fact is, he had a plan to open his art exhibit, and they came in, papered over his window... They detained him for over an hour and subjected him to intrusive questioning. His freedom was stolen from him for, for this morning, for the entire morning. And you can, how could someone look at that and say, well, the system's working just fine? This is effed up. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This 
This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. Only moments remain. Just enough time for your call. About whatever you want, 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And if you enjoy the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link. Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Whatever it is you're buying, whether it be brand new or even used, 41 categories to shop in. If you're looking for something, odds are good they carry it at amazon.freetalklive.com. And odds are good you're going to get a great price, free super saver shipping on a lot of items. Once again, amazon.freetalklive.com. Help the show get the stuff you need. Uh, Real briefly here, we were talking a moment ago about freedom of speech, and I mentioned that if you're on private property, you should be able to say what you want. And I didn't clarify, and I should. If you're on your private property, you should be able to say what you want. If you're on... That's a key difference. Right. If you're on my private property, and I decide I don't want to hear what you have to say, I can kick you off. And our board op pointed out something else. He said, uh, well, the same applies to public property, right? Uh, because if you have a share in its upkeep, you should be able to say what you will. Yes, if if we do have this concept called public property, then it would make sense that one would have freedom of speech on public property as well. So Right, if, so if you're on the town common or on the sidewalk, right. since it's supposedly everybody's property, basically everybody gets to say what they want. So I wanted to make sure I clarified that because it is, a, it is an, uh, an important distinction. So what we saw here, the story was from the New York Times where an artist was detained and questioned by the Secret Service in the New York Police Department because he put up an art exhibit called The Assassination of Hillary Clinton and The Assassination of Barack Obama. Within hours from its opening its doors, uh, the police were on the scene and they papered over top of the, the title... They papered over the signage on the windows, and they detained this guy for hour, for at least an hour as they asked him questions about whether or not he was dangerous or had gone through you know, psychiatric counseling and if he had guns. And is this something that you want to see happening in America? Is this something that makes you feel good? Does it, does it warm your heart to know that the police are out there doing a bang-up job protecting us from terrorists? Because someone who's a terrorist is gonna poster advertise it, it from an art gallery. Yeah, really. Come on, guys. I mean, they don't have anything to do, do they? Apparently not. And I think a lot of people feel that when if a Democrat gets elected, all these civil liberties issues will be better, and no one will be harassed about stuff like this. But I can pretty much guarantee you that this is something had either Senator Clinton or Senator Obama, if they were president they would pursue this just the same way the Bush administration would. I wouldn't expect too much to change just because the blue team gets their person in there. Pretty awful what happened here, and it's it's yet another example of this theme that we've been talking about a lot recently, that just because you aren't a terrorist or a drug dealer doesn't mean you won't get caught up in some asinine enforcement mechanism. It doesn't mean that you won't be targeted. We talked about a guy with a Transformers t-shirt on, forced to change his t-shirt at the uh, the airport. This guy with the art exhibit, papered over top of his uh, exhibit, and sh- and essentially I mean, had his time wasted by these bureaucrats. This was not a win for him. He lost his, his morning, where he would have normally been able to choose things for himself what to do, but instead he was in the custody of the police. And 
Just to give you another example of the absurdities out there that we see in this country so often now. According to the Associated Press in Canton, Ohio, homeowners who don't mow their grass in the northeast Ohio city of Canton now face stiffer penalties, including possible jail time. So apparently there's a grass-growing problem there in Canton that the fines, the exorbitant fines that they had in place before this new resolution, the exorbitant fines weren't enough to scare people into compliance and get them to mow their grass as often as the city would like them to mow their grass. So now they're going to threaten you with jail if you don't mow your grass often enough. What else do you have to say? I mean, what other example can you give to show that this government absolutely could end up going after you next? Even if you don't consider yourself a criminal. Because how are you going to know about all these asinine micromanaging laws? How was anyone supposed to know this? This is just a teeny little blurb in the Associated Press, and not everyone reads the newspaper. Not everyone watches the television news. So even if a new law was to come out and it would be trumpeted all over the the news organizations out there, it still is only going to reach a, a certain percentage of the population. No one could be expected to know or understand or, or conceive all of these laws. And in, a, in what's supposed to be a free country, there's no way any political, whether it's a city or a state, whatever, any political unit should be regulating whether, how often you have to mow your lawn. But, Nick, if we don't do that, then we're going to have these outlaws letting their grass grow, and that's ugly. We can't have that. So what? Well, <laughs> do, you're it, telling me you directly? like ugly stuff? I can tell you You that... want your neighbor's grass? <laughs> now, you're a realtor, Nick. You can understand. Your neighbor, gonna grass, grass is going to grow... Your house, your property values are going to go down. You don't want that to happen, do you? Well, most people realize that if they don't mow their lawn, their house doesn't look so nice and their property value goes down. And most people don't want to piss off their neighbors. So I know of places in New Hampshire where I can't imagine there are lawn cutting ordinances. In fact, I don't know of any Mm -hmm. around here. And pretty much everybody mows their (laughs) lawn. I mean, they might let it get a little bit tall once in a while. What does that really harm? <laughs> it's your lawn. You think, what if I like tall grass? I don't have that option? Now, what I'm not sure about here is exactly how high the grass is allowed to get. The article doesn't point that out. So I, we, we can only speculate on that point. But there is a few more details here. The city council unanimously passed a law, so there wasn't even an objection to it, that makes a second, ha- a second high grass violation a fourth-degree misdemeanor carrying a fine of up to $250 and as many as 30 days in jail. 30 days in jail for not mowing your lawn. The, free, uh, the previous law apparently only made the first violation a minor misdemeanor with a fine of up to $150, but no jail time in the new laws expected, expected to take effect in 30 days. Mayor William Healy said, This is a type of action we need to take in order to clean up our neighborhoods and our city. Really? It's that bad? Is there a real glut of high-growing grass there in Canton? I wonder if the Soviets or the Nazis ever took the time to rent no to because honestly this is something that you may have been free to let your grass grow tall in nazi germany or the soviet union because honestly who cared right? even those older totalitarian regimes that were terrible a lot of times they didn't care about the everyday minutiae of how people lived their lives mm-hmm. as long as they supported the state and its militarism it seems like in many ways you were still had some liberties in those regimes in terms of your personal affairs that you don't have now. It's an interesting observation. 
And this isn't unusual, by the way. This is just another example. The, the, the law already existed. It was already on the books that it was illegal to have high grass. They've just cranked it up at this point. And Canton is not the only city in America with similar restrictions. I think that Americans, many Americans feel that because in this country freedoms are taken away through a, a democratic vote of some sort or another or by representatives who are elected, that it makes it okay. Whereas if it was just an appointed board or a self-declared government, then even if they were doing the exact same thing, that would inherently be wrong. But in terms of how it affects you in your life, it doesn't make a whole lot of a difference whether, you know, eight people or however many are on the Canton City Council voted for it or whether it was one military, you know, governor that made the made the decision that people would be thrown in the clink for not mowing their lawns. This follows the pattern of what we've seen from governments is that in the uh, the, the way Pastor Martin E. Muller put it, of, of course, in World War II times, was first they came for the communists and then they came for the trade unionists. They came for me and no one was there to, to stand up for me. And in this case, uh, what we're seeing happen is they are going after the unpopular they are going after the pornographers. They're going after the, the, uh, you know, the offensive speech, like the artists that we talked about. Uh, they're going after people with ugly lawns. They're going after people where very few are going to stand up for those folks and say, hey, wait a minute, it's his lawn. If he wants to let it grow, then that's fine. Because I might at some point want to put a really tacky yard ornament out in my yard, and I want to have the freedom to put tacky yard ornaments out in my yard. And if I want that freedom, then I have to allow him to have his grass grow really high. I mean, that's so simple. Freedom makes sense, and it's simple. And for the most part, it does work out. And the people do cut their grass on their own. But if somebody doesn't want to cut their grass, who gives a flip? I know I certainly don't, but I guess I'm outvoted. It's been Ian here with you. And Nick. All right. More coming back tomorrow night. You can join us at that time, and you can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. And don't forget to get out front of your house this weekend with the ruler and p- page through tomes and tomes of law to make sure that you're in compliance. This is the new America. It's Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.